SheCast is a project of SheCrew. SheCast is made by intersectional, rioting writers, made for those who need their voices heard. Through representation for static, creative minds, and lastly, for me. For me. For me. SheCast. Hi. Today we're going to be talking about something that SheCast has been wanting to talk about forever. Yes, Mm -hmm. truly. We're talking about reproductive rights. And in addition to our wonderful SheCasters, we also have some very exciting guests. I'm Leah Greenblum. I'm uh, I'm she, her, hers. Um, I am the founder and volunteer executive director of Midwest Access Coalition. And happy to be a guest here. Thanks. Awesome, awesome. I am Gracia Magdaleno. I use they, them pronouns, and I am a longtime patient advocate and reproductive justice organizer for Planned Parenthood. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about, I mean, because we have, we have, we have important things to say mm-hmm. and we're not white middle-aged men. Yes. Truly. <laughs> truly. So how did you guys come to know about what an abortion is? I'm going to let Gracia go first. I have a terrible memory, so (laughs) take it away. Um, Let's see. I think my first memory about the term abortion or the topic of abortion happened when I was in high school. And at the time, I was a freshman. And my classmate, who was a senior, but we were sort of close, um, came to us in confidence and told us that she was pregnant and she didn't know what to do about it and was considering an abortion. However, um, we went to a private Christian school that was extremely conservative and had a really, um, I would say... Not so nice handbook for students. It didn't take into account their identities and the issues that they might be going through. It was very much centered on religion. And what ended up happening is they expelled my classmate because she had considered not keeping the pregnancy. Wow. And that's something that, like, the school found out about and was like, like, they could do that? Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that an invasion of privacy? I'm like, yes. It is an invasion of privacy. Did she end up doing it? So, unfortunately, no. What My situation is very unique in that um, our school lacked a lot of... um, lacked a lot of proper leadership and there were people there who thought more about religion than they did about rights, which we're getting into, right? And in that case... uh, what was expected was that girls were supposed to go to older white men, as Adams was talking about. Uh, and what ended up happening in that instance was that they were told that they had to marry the person that got them pregnant. And they also couldn't go to the school anymore. This is a very extreme case. Yeah. Yeah. This doesn't usually happen, but it's what got me started on the work that I do now. Because I didn't think it was fair that somebody else made the decision for her. So, yeah, totally an invasion of privacy. My first exposure to hearing about abortion was probably through the movie Dirty Dancing. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure, you know, the first time I watched the movie, I'm not sure that I, I'm, I can't say what age I was, but um, maybe nine, ten. Um, 
And I'm not sure I fully understood, but I quickly came to understand what an abortion was. And um, then um, shortly, I, I had a, a close relationship and still do with my uh, family and my, my parents. And so uh, I felt like I was able to ask them questions about, like, what is this? I'm confused. How does this kind of happen? And so they gave me some background. Um, and then it was in high school that I learned that my high school in uh, growing up in Central Florida was a public high school and it had a nursery attached because there were so many high school students um, with children. It was sort of to encourage them to to have. I mean, you know, in some ways it's, it's sort of a reproductive justice piece of like, you know, we want to support you having this choice. Um, and so we're going to allow you to still come to high school and have a nursery here and make it that easy. And then in another way, I think there's uh, there's some um, co- co- little bit covert uh, messaging there about how a nursery is really the only way to go. Of course, you're going to have a child if you're pregnant. Yeah, my school also does that. Um, we have like a nursery like in the school mm-hmm. and also with the nursery, um, like um, kids who want to, um, like high school students like me who want to like, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not majoring in it, but like co-education, like um, high school students can work with those kids in the nursery. Oh. So like if anyone, usually like the um, pregnant teens that I know in my schools, they don't usually come back. These are like transfer to another school or don't like c- come back to school at all. Mm. But like, there's still like an option where like um with nursery with the nursery right in the school, so that where parents or like parents or other teenagers can drop their kids off. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Okay, I'm having some difficulty remembering because it's a the topic of abortion. Um, is something. Um, that just kind of showed up. You yeah, know? I think growing up in like an age where it's like constant like TV and like yeah, it, it wasn't really like a filter. I think of like what you learn and when you learn it. It's kind of like you're watching TV and then you kind of like find out. Yeah, you know? where I never really had a conversation with like my family, um, yeah. my sister, and my mom about it. I just know that like I had an opinion on it, and then my mom and my sister are both pro-choice mm-hmm. so it's just like I got lucky and they agree with me and I don't yeah. have to yeah I didn't have like that battle of like different mm-hmm. beliefs um, within my family really yeah I don't think I personally ever talked to like my family about it but I kind of knew about it and I remember like I didn't it was like a hot minute I knew what it was but I was just like oh it's okay it's like it's a thing that people do but I didn't really have an opinion about it and then like there was this point in time where like (laughs) on YouTube there are these videos where it's like these stories and like there's like emotional sad music this is when I was like going through a phase but we don't have to talk about it (laughs) and there was like sad emotional music playing behind like this text stories I was like looking at them and then a lot of them were like about abortions and a lot of them were like the narration of like a baby in like this lady's like stomach and like as she's like choosing to get an abortion and it's like it was a lot it was it was very like demonized and made like the woman seem like oh Oh, see this this baby's having thoughts and it loves you and you're gonna kill it and I was like that's that's really shady. I don't know how I feel about that. And that's why I started thinking about it, I yeah, guess. It's like it's like 
it's just weird but it's bizarre and i hate that it exists because it's yeah it, because yeah you were young right and mm-hmm. so you is that if that's your first introduction to it it's like oh my gosh this baby is talking baby yeah. right is like it, it's a clear narrative of like what mm-hmm. how you want to demonize people my first um connect my first um i i <laughs> I I didn't really know about abortion until I really came to Shiku and when we started talking about activist stuff because my family never really talked about anything like relatively like if we were to talk about something it would probably be like something violence related that happened around somewhere around the world or, or somewhere or something around the United States so I didn't really know anything about it and I think I was about 14 yeah so and then like the older I got like my mom was like my mom was very young when she um when she was pregnant with my sister, um, she was thinking about abortion and like her friends would tell her, "Don't get an abortion. You're gonna regret it. You don't know what that child would be. You don't know." <laughs> like she was in the um abortion office, and then one of, she said one of her friends um was saying um, start talking to her about not getting an abortion and like that she'll regret it. So she ne- she uh, she obviously didn't get an abortion. <laughs> well, she, so it's just like um how like. Like my mom's so against abortion, it's just like, I, but I'm pro-choice as myself, so it's like I I believe it should be a choice. The, I like I when I continue to go to Chico, my my dad would argue with me so much about like all this um activist stuff. And it's just <laughs> like um people are like, why do you want to learn about this? I'm like, cause I do. I think it's important. You. Coming to Shikru is super important because you start learning that abortion is something that's very common, that one in three people will go ahead and have an abortion in their lifetime. And it's a medical procedure like anything else. And it's about prioritizing the person who has rights right now to make sure that they can lead a healthy and safe life. And that's really all that you want to bring to the world is that it's a common It's a common life choice that happens and one that we should talk about more, which I think is super important. Yeah, because that's if us talking about abortions and just women's reproductive health in general, there's a lot of misconceptions, even if you are pro-choice, because um, uh, I know once we had a conversation um, uh, with a representative from uh, CTU, and we were talking about abortions and how she had had an abortion, and um, I very much... um, like I had this myth in my head that after someone has an abortion, it's you have like deep regret, yeah, and that it's you feel a lot of shame. Um, but having that conversation with her, she expressed a lot of relief. She's like, really, what like the narrative surrounding abortion is is really scary because. Um, and people will tell women that you're going to feel like a terrible person when you do this and you're going to um, ex- experience like depression and you're going to be upset with yourself. And she expressed the opposite. She said that she felt a lot of relief and mm-hmm. that she felt guilty for not feeling the things that people told her she should be feeling. Mm-hmm. And that to me was just because I've never talked to someone who has had an abortion because it is a hush-hush mm-hmm. topic. And just hearing that really made me change the way I felt about it because I was already pro-choice, but I there was it was more like an issue that felt far away, you know? Yeah. yeah. Something I think you said that relates to 
a lot of like stereotypes and like this is what should be happening is the idea that as you grow up you be like you baby you're a girl you're getting older and you have to become a mother and like that's a thing that you have to that's do like the end goal the end goal is having a child yeah. and like there's a lot of demonization that of women who don't want to do that or people who don't want to do that so what do you guys think about that i mean yeah i think that's the reason why um people are so against abortions because there's like also like the religious narrative of the reason you have sex is to procreate like that's the that's the end result of that right Mm -hmm. it's very i mean that's not true it's that's very much not true um but it also basically with like women's sexuality it basically says that your sexuality is only allowed to exist because like or it isn't really like because you have to be a mother Mm -hmm. and like that is the expectation for women basically yeah i i would totally agree with that i think that there's a lot of um confusing messages that um women and um, gender non-conforming folks um feel uh growing up in in our society and and definitely there's the uh there's the uh mother piece of that a, a good woman is a is a mother and will be a mother and will be excited to be a mother um and then there's the religious influences um from the christian right um and there's so much else there's so much um you know women are often and i say women and gender non-conforming folks um we're often taught to be um, passive um, drivers in our lives, yeah. you know. So, so if uh, something happens, and um, you know, you do make the choice to have sex, and then there's a consequence of that that is not ideal for you. Um, I think that there's a lot of pressure to simply accept that consequence. That's one. And then if you do not simply accept it, if you want to sort of go against the grain or sort of if you want to go against something that just sort of happened to you, that you happen to sort of get pregnant, then there's the consequence of, of that the ire from from those against us and Mm -hmm. um there are the folks who will be putting narratives in our heads that um that are simply false scientifically false and um and i think a lot of people uh you know who do end up getting abortions um the vast majority of them feel so much relief right and and to to those folks who who sometimes are quite vocal about regret um i would just you know also want to have conversations with those folks and sort of critical conversations and really kind of question where where that is coming from and and who might have put those thoughts in their heads and what mm-hmm. kind of influence um that that made yeah them. so i think it's really important that the the thought manipulation that can be done really um really covertly and really um not very obvious ways right mm-hmm. and i i i know uh, at midwest access coalition a practical abortion fund based in Chicago, we we talk with folks all the time who are facing barriers to getting their abortions. And the vast majority, I mean, the, the common denominator with our clients is that they're all low-income folks. Mm-hmm. And 
And so there's a lot of stressors in their lives. And this is just one more stressor, right? Trying to obtain the care that they are trying to choose yeah. to get. And, uh, and so there's just so many emotions already. If your life is already just generally stressful on a day to day basis yeah. that, um, you know, it can be kind of a last straw when, when you hear someone in a parking lot accusing you of being a murderer or, you know, when someone is planting an idea in your head, right, that you, that you are just a bad person and, and going to hell. Um, it's, it really, I mean, I'm so in admiration of the amazing clients that we see. Um, and I know all of the very strong folks who do want to share their stories um, because it really takes such guts, right, such moxie to say, no, that does not describe my experience. And that yeah. is incorrect. And to correct those people because they are simply wrong. Yeah. And to kind of bounce off of you, I think that is what reproductive rights and justice are really about is about putting power back into people's hands that do deserve it. So when we're talking about folks who are quote unquote pro-life, um, they really do want to take away power from the people who have um a big decision to make yeah. and it's it might not be an easy one for some it is an easy one but the the point is is that reproductive justice organizers people like Leah and myself what we do is we go ahead and try to make sure that there's power back in people's hands to make decisions that are going to give them the healthiest and most successful life possible. That is what it's about. And that scares people who are pro-life, right? They're like, this is somebody that's going to do what is best for them and not what's best for me. And I think that's why it's so important to continue having the conversation. Um, it's about power. It's about who is doing what and for what reason. And we need to talk about it more. So well put. So well put, I think, you know, in a nutshell, um, you know, folks on the right don't like to be told that they, at the end of the day, just want to control women's bodies. Yeah, they want to yeah. control women totally. and they want to control their bodies. They don't want to hear that. They will not agree with that statement. But, um, but you know, push comes to shove. Yeah. Taking mm -hmm. away that bodily autonomy, that's, that's a no-go zone. Yeah. yeah. And that is what reproductive justice is. Yeah. yeah, I think like when you strip away all the layers and you look at like the foundation of it, the core of it is just taking away women's choice and women's, like you said, autonomy and being able to like the main idea of women that people see in society throughout history has been women, domestic like lifestyles. So when people take away the choice that to become a mother or to act in a womanly way. I'm mm -hmm. here. If you were here, you could see I'm here quoting. <laughs> act in a womanly way. That that's like the main like that's just one of the main steps that you can take to like control women. I don't know if I'm phrasing yeah. it right, but yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree because also with taking ownership of like your sexuality and being like, no, like, like I'm actively making this choice for myself and like how I want to live my life. Like sexuality is also a huge part of a person becoming independent. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it is. your right to pass. No, but like you're, <laughs> it's like you growing up and um, making decisions for yourselves surrounding your body, you know, mm -hmm. and surrounding your relationships with other people or in your relationship with yourself, you know, and, you know, throughout history, like you were saying, Adam's like, people are scared of women or just 
of people with uteruses like <laughs> taking control yeah. of their lives and defying like mm-hmm. traditional um gender norms and also like heteronormative like roles right because it's supposed to be like a woman and the husband in like some white suburbia place you know i'm actually really glad you brought up the fact that it's people with uteruses because sometimes it isn't a woman who's getting an abortion sometimes it's someone who doesn't identify as a woman who kind of fits outside of that spectrum so i think that's super important i'm really glad you brought it up and also i think that um that it kind of amplifies or increases the anxiety on the right is that not only is it a person with a uterus, but it's someone that doesn't look the way that I do or identifies the way that I do as someone who is gender nonconforming and doesn't necessarily see myself as a woman or as a man. Mm -hmm. I think it's super important to talk about those um, grays because we try and look at it very black and white, but abortion happens outside of the binary too um yeah for sure like the whole black and white i think that's it's um very specific in which the right tries to categorize um pro-life and pro-choice as a black and white issue because i've met a lot of people who say oh i would never personally have an abortion but Mm -hmm. i don't really think that we should you know i don't really think that we should deny that choice to everyone out there you know but they often get pushed into like no you are pro-life then or like you can only believe in this or your beliefs fall under this category Mm -hmm. you know and i mean it's a tactic that works really well to separate people and um categorize what they believe in we're living in a really unique time where things are becoming more fluid and flexible and dynamic and the gray is something that i really want to touch on so these boxes that you're talking about people are no longer trying to stay in those boxes we've sort of broken apart these boxes in society whether it is about gender or about whether you're this or that it's sort of gotten to a point where we can expand and use our imaginations to think of different ways to identify ourselves or to do the work of like reproductive justice it doesn't look one way which mm-hmm. i think is super important when you're growing up in a world that tells you you can be only this or that whether it's through um gender or sexuality like it's super important to think about the colors in all of it yeah um, and i'll just add that you know as more folks are are you know, having better, more imaginations, not better, but more imaginations of having the freedom to to be themselves in a variety of spaces, not just in hush-hush, you know, back rooms and hidden apartments and things. Um, there's the backlash, right? Um, and our opponents are very clear in their strategy of, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, of, of defining, of trying to still define us in certain ways, in certain mm-hmm. really negative ways, mm-hmm. and um, and it, I think it's really important to to be strategic, like Planned Parenthood. It is so often, <laughs> you know, about how are we going to win and how are we going to add the nuance back in to the conversation we need to be having about all of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like a lot of what we're talking about is just that division and making sure that people are on different sides of like thought. Because when people come together, that's dangerous, right? (laughs) So 
something that does, I think, bring people together in like the idea of reproductive rights are the organizations that you guys are from, Planned Parenthood and the Midwest Access Coalition. So what are some things that you do to bring access, access or like education to people? Midwest Access Coalition, or MAC for short, is a practical abortion fund based in Chicago. And what that means is that we assist folks traveling to, from, and within the Midwest accessing their safe legal abortions in the form of logistical support, um, financial support, transportation, emotional support, accommodations because abortions can be multiple days and so if they're multiple days then where are you going to spend the night for a couple of nights if it's not in your city and why would you have to do that mm-hmm. because there are lots of restrictions in this country right now mm-hmm. um, as you know uh, restrictions are popping up all over the place and yeah. all the states really surrounding Illinois and and beyond and that means that so the vast majority of counties are lacking abortion providers. Even if there is an abortion provider, then sometimes it's still illegal to have an abortion. There are lots of gray areas to this of, in terms of how many weeks one is pregnant yeah. and how far away that clinic yeah. is and if there are certain waiting periods. And there's a lot of details we could really get into. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is that for people and in order for folks to access their abortions, they often have to travel hundreds of miles. Mm-hmm. And if you're already scraping together the funds to get an abortion, um, traveling hundreds of miles can really make it out of reach yeah. for you. So that's what we do in a nutshell at Mac. Mm-hmm. And Planned Parenthood, for context, there is a larger Planned Parenthood organization, and then they're divided up by states. So, yeah. for example, for those of you who live in Chicago, there's Planned Parenthood of Illinois. Mm-hmm. I am part of Planned Parenthood Federation of America, which is the one that sort of oversees every state in every um, uh, in every um, region. So, uh, I. Um, am a uh, patient advocate and a longtime patient of Planned Parenthood. So actually how I got started with Planned Parenthood was I went to them in college and I was seeking care. Mm-hmm. So that's how I sort of started with them. But Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. as an organization is um, a reproductive health and rights organization that provides three different things. So they provide educational services, they provide healthcare services, and they provide advocacy. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in any of those three, you can go ahead and support them at the legislature, you can support them at their health centers, you can support them in schools because we go ahead depending on which state we're in, we can do sex ed Mm -hmm. education which is super important Um, yeah, so I've been with them for about four or five years now and the work that they do is pretty pretty large we have a coalition with midwest midwest access coalition Mm -hmm. um and there's many other organizations that come together to like promote reproductive rights Mm -hmm. i think one final thing that i think brings all of us together is that we do this work because it brings us joy and i think that when you're talking about liberation and you're talking about reproductive justice and rights it has to be fun if you're not having fun then there's really no point in doing the work that's what i've learned along the way is it's super important to have joy and enthusiasm when you're doing this because that's what liberation should look like it should be joyful so very important to remember yeah yeah i think that's a great note to end it on so thank you guys so much thank you you. such a joy to be what a pleasure (laughs) in all the ways 
SheCast is a project created by SheCrew, a four youth by youth podcast with production and editing help from Merit and Jess. Thank you to the Jane Addams Hull House Museum, where this podcast is recorded. The Jane Addams Hull House Museum serves as a dynamic memorial to social reformer Jane Addams, the first American woman to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. There you go. And her colleagues whose work changed the lives of their immigrant neighbors as well as national and international public policy. It's also haunted. No joke. So check it out. This season of SheCast is supported by a special grant from the Chicago Housing Authority. If you liked what you heard and or want to sponsor an episode of SheCast or just want to get in contact, holler at us at info at See you next time.